Psalm 139, verse 1, and this is the very word of God. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the mountain, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light will become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them ever came to be. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? A few weeks ago, uh, I invited the, the staff into my office when we were doing this series about the four longings that drive every human life. And this particular week was on our hunger for relationships. So I asked the staff to come in and, and we were brainstorming about this, this hunger uh, and how God meets this need. And in the midst of that, Lee mentioned what a great thing it is to be known and loved. And we all just agreed. And I wrote it down. <laughs> because isn't it true? We all have a deep need to be loved. But more than that, we, we have a deep need to be known by somebody. And, and when you put those two together, that, that you are really known by somebody and loved simultaneously in spite of what they know, that's one of the best things in life. I mean, that's, that's what the gift of marriage is about in large measure. It's, it's about being one and how, how the two become one. It's, it's about as the text says, being naked and, and unashamed, being able to see one another, know one another, and, and really, really love one another. 
And yet, all human relationships are filled with pain, even the best ones. And you know why, right? Because they all involve people like us. They all involve sinners. And you know, even in our best relationships, sometimes we don't feel known. And sometimes we are known and we don't feel loved because of what the other person knows. And fear is injected into a relationship and a longing is frustrated. Here's the good news for you this morning. God knows us completely. And he loves us completely, utterly, thoroughly, eternally. And so here are my two points. They are known and loved. <laughs> All right? That's, that's how we're going to look at Psalm 139. Known and loved. First is known. This is a wonderful thing. The, the ESV puts it with an exclamation point behind it. Lord, you, oh Lord, verse 1, you have searched me and you know me, exclamation point. In other words, this isn't, oh no, you know me. This is, you know me. It's wonderful. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You, you discern, you know my thoughts from afar, you search out my going, my path, and my lying down. You know you are acquainted with all my ways before a word is ever even on my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it completely. The $10 theological word for this is omniscience. God is omniscient. God, it means God is all-knowing. Uh, it's a big universe. And I want you to know that, that God knows it all. Out to the galaxies, to the farthest edge of what is, down to the atoms, God knows everything. It is, it is an amazing scope of knowledge. But, but here, his knowing isn't just the idea that he's big, he's God, he's powerful, therefore he just kind of knows no, this is a personal knowing. In fact, this is an active, personal knowing in a relational kind of way. In fact, it says he searches us and, know, and, and knows us. Do you see that? Oh, Lord, you have searched me. See, if God already knows, why does he have to search? Well, you're missing the point if you ask that question. No, God knows and God is searching. God is intimately, actively knowing. This is an incredible thing. The, the, the word here literally means he digs down into our lives or he scours. Or how about this for a modern word? He scans. Okay? He just scans. He's always scanning. Actively scanning our, our hearts and our minds and, and our lives. And there's an exclamation point behind this kind of, this kind of knowledge. Verse two, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. 
Before a word is ever on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. I mean, he knows not just what we do. He knows what we're thinking. Do you know how there are some relationships that you have and you've known a person for a long time and you feel very close to that person and you know them so well that you can almost complete their sentences for them? Well, really, I just got news for you. You really can't. At least you can 100%, and it's kind of irritating when you try. Um, and, and, and the reason is, is because unlike God, you, you can't scan and know. You can think you know because you know that person, what they're going to say, but you really don't know what is happening, what the gears and the cogs and wheels of the emotions and, and the mind and the heart are all doing at a, at a given moment. And uh, here's the thing is that God could complete your sentences if he wanted to. And you know why God could? Because he knows before a word is ever on your tongue, he knows it completely. He perceives our thoughts from afar. God's reading your mind. God's scanning everything. This is the most intimate knowledge imaginable. In fact, this knowledge is far more intimate than any human knowledge between the closest two human beings on the planet right this moment. doesn't come close to this level of intimate, loving, active, knowing. God knows us. We all have this need to be known. And we want somebody to know what we like and what we don't like, to know how we feel. We want somebody to know where we've been in our lives, where we are right now, where we want to go. And all the flavors, hues, and colors, and textures of who we are, we want to share our lives with someone we want to be known. And, you know, in this this fast-paced world of Maybe you won't have relationships because you're moving too fast. Is there anyone who knows you? Have you given anyone the, the green light to know you? Have you ever hung out around somebody long enough for them to actually know you? Have you ever invested in a person's life for them to know you? And for you to know them, it, it, sometimes it feels like that we don't necessarily want to, to, to hang around, to, to be there. This whole thing about relationships kind of has to do with showing up. And we don't necessarily want to show up in a consistent way and, and let people see our whole lives. And then we say, I just need to be known. I hope you can answer that someone at least wants to know you. David says, God wants to know you. And he wants to know you in a way no one else can want to know you. And God knows you more intimately than anyone else ever could know you. He knows completely. He he scans and understands you because he wants to. So the first thing is known. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. The second thing is 
is loved. Verse 5. Listen to these words. Think how personal this is. You hem me in behind and before. You hem me in. You, you lay your hand upon me. And he says, such knowledge is just too wonderful for me. It's too high. I, I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, behold, you are there. If I descend to the depths of Sheol, you are, are there. If I, if I take the wings of the dawn and, and, and fly to the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will take hold of me. You see, God doesn't just scan and understand. God's there. This is so important. This isn't just that God is omniscient and he knows. Like God's on his throne and he knows. No, you've hemmed me in. You've put your hand on me. You care. You're, You're there and you care. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, he says. I grew up quail hunting with my dad we had quail dogs and some of the best memories of my life are are out walking in the the fields and the hedgerows with my my dad and uh and one day we're out hunting and you know you you come up and the dogs are pointing you know and they're frozen it's a really exciting moment in life and you know something's about to happen and what happens is finally the the covey of quail are, are flushed and they are desperately trying to get away from your um, shotgun shells. And so, so brrr, the, 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 the covey went up. I raised my shotgun. I shot and I hit a bird and, and he just kind of spiraled down to the ground. But this was an unusual day because I noticed, and I was about 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12, I noticed the, the bird wasn't dead. So, little 10-year-old me, I walked, I walked up to the bird. I have incredible compassion on the bird. It's his wing is hurt. And I asked my dad the unthinkable, at least for a goober from North Florida, the unthinkable. Can I take him home and keep him? <laughs> and my dad said I could. So, you know, when you're quail hunting, you have these vests on and you've got these big pockets. So I, I picked up this bird and he was fluttering and trying to get away from me, but I picked him up and I put him in, in my pocket, in the big pocket. And, uh, and so I kept Quentin. Yes, that's what I named him, Quentin the Quail. I kept him in a shoebox. And I, I would open the corner of that shoebox and, and carefully feed him some kernels of corn and, you know, feed him some water in a dropper. Very tenderly, you know, this is like bird triage, you know, that's just kind of happening with an 11-year-old. And and one day, I opened the box to to check on Quentin, and I opened the box too far, and Quentin was feeling really good that day, and he kind of half flew, half, half ran out of the box. Now, this is a problem, because I opened the box in the house. And I thought, oh, man. I mean, my dad wasn't just crazy about the fact that we had that bird in that box instead of on the table. Um... But uh, I thought, i got to get this bird reboxed before my dad comes back. And doggone Quentin, he was just, I couldn't get to him. He's running away from me. He was faster than me. 
And so I had to come up with a strategy, and, and here's what it was. And by the way, if this ever happens in your house with a bird that can't fly, here's what you do. You, you, you shoo him from the largest room, which would be the den, to a smaller room called the hallway. Then you close all the hallway doors. Then, with one door open in the hallway, the bathroom door, an even smaller room, you shoo him into the bathroom. And once he's in the bathroom, you can corner him. That's exactly what I did with Quentin. I cornered Quentin. I won't tell you where I cornered him, but I cornered him nevertheless. And I was able very slowly, Quentin, remember it's me, I saved your life, to put my hands before him, just like this passage, and behind him and lay my hands on him. And I gently picked him up and I stroked him and put him back in the box. And about two weeks later, Quentin was healed. And I took him out into the woods, back in his original habitat. Yes, I was green before green was cool. And, uh, and I released him into the wild, only to be shot by another redneck, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but you can just kind of see that, right? Because that's, quote, real. Well, let me tell you, this is real. You know, Jesus him, himself asked the question, how much more does God care for you than birds? You know, if, if he feeds the birds who are here today and gone, don't, don't, ha, aren't you worth, Jesus says, more than many sparrows? Oh, he loves you more than a bird. And, and verse 10, uh, it, it's, God hems us in behind and before. And then David says, you can't get away from him. Now, kind of like I, I kind of couldn't, Quentin couldn't get away from me, you, but even more so, don't even try to get away from God. Best thing you can do with God is say, I give up and let him put his hand on you. Um, verse 10, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? And that word literally means your face. I mean, like God's right there, you know, he's, he's right there face to face and lovingly so he cares. If I rise to the heavens, you're there. There's your face. If I go to the deepest place you're there there's your face and if i follow the dawn so to speak follow the sunrise and the the sunset and the sunrise to the other part of the world to the deepest part of the sea stop jews old testament jews and sea kind of don't go together that's why in the new jerusalem it says and there is there was no more sea because the sea, they were not a seafaring people, the Jews, in the Old Testament. And, and, and the sea represented a great threat. Think about so many of the, um, the sea uh, narratives in the Old Testament, how there's like a storm. And in the New Testament, too, or how something bad happens, you know, in the sea. If I take the wings of the dawn and if I, if I go to the remotest part of this dangerous place, listen to verse 10, even there. Your hand will lead me, your right hand, that's the hand, the arm of power, that's the arm of help in the Old Testament. Your right hand will will take hold of me. Do you see this? This isn't just standing and knowing on a throne because I'm God. Get over it. This is active, loving, caring by God for you, even there. I mean, what is your even there in your life right now? Even there, my right hand has got you. 
He says, I can't hide from, from you in the dark because darkness is light to you. And, and even there, you're going to get me home through the dark because you're there. Sometimes we ask ourselves in our pain, where is God? Where is God in the midst of this? Where is God in the midst of this struggle and my tears? David says, he's there. He's there. And he cares. And we need to open our eyes to what it means to be known completely and loved with a hand of love touching us by God. If you, you need to see that God isn't just present. He is attentive. Do you know the difference between somebody being present and attentive? If you live with anybody with a cell phone, you know the difference. They are present but they are not attentive. There were some, there were some like nasty looks given to some people. And I, I just want you to know, I just saw that. <laughs> Remember, we know and we love anyway. <laughs> we know the difference between somebody being present and somebody being attentive. God is there. He's present. He lays his, he's attentive. He, he's scanning. He's watching. He's perceiving. He really knows, he really wants to show up in our lives. But this goes deeper still in this passage. And I think this is, this next little part of the passage is probably why so many people know this passage. Because David says that he was there and attentive and loving you from before you were born to the day, the moment you die. And beyond, really. He's always been there. Before you even saw daylight, he's always there. And he's always going to be there. And your future is a future planned by the love of God who planned you. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O Lord. My soul knows this well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret place intricately. Notice these words. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. You want, you want to know whether God actually pays attention and cares? Yes, before you were ever born. God knew and God cared before the most advanced ultrasound, 3D ultrasound, can pick up the, the image of a tiny, tiny, developing little child in the womb, God 
knows us and he knits us. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Uh, it says, you saw my unformed substance. Y'all, I got, I, let me just say, that's why I'm pro-life. That's why I'm pro-life. Because people come from God. Human beings are made in the image of God. Human beings are fearfully and wonderfully made. And my soul knows well, we still don't have one iota of the real knowledge of the incredible design and power of the design of a human being, just a human brain alone. We know like that much, right? Oh yeah, God saw my unformed substance. God knitted me together in my mother's womb. This, you made my inward parts. What's great about this is the, the, the Hebrew word is kidney. You're like, okay, you made my kidney. Why are you saying that? Because that, that Old Testament phrase has to do with the seat of emotion, like your gut, you know, why, why, where you feel. And what, what's being said here is that God's not just making a body. God's forming my personality as well as my, he's forming me, uniquely me, uniquely you. You say, I don't matter what you do to God. Because he knitted you together. Your inward parts, your emotion, your, your personality, he skillfully, wonderfully made you. God doesn't make widgets. I mean, God doesn't have some impersonal factory that just spits out people at the end. And it is... Definitely a biological process, yes, correct? It is not simply a biological process like a biological factory. No, intricately woven. I want you to think of your grandmother weaving loops. Is she paying attention? Well, maybe she's watching TV, I don't know. But she's weaving a blanket for you. This is God who is weaving. Do you see how he knows you so thoroughly and he loves you so personally? In my Friday men's Bible study, we talked about, and this is from Jerry Bridges' book. We're walking through this book called, and I recommend it. You can write it down, Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. It's a great book, Trusting God Even When Life Hurts by Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges talks about the fact that God wove us together, you know, very purposely. Yes, it's biological, but he's doing it and very uniquely. And even our disabilities. Don't ever look at a disability and say, you know, that was a factory reject. How dare you? Oh, yeah, I'm pointing my finger. How dare you ever even think that a human being is a factory reject? Number one, there is no factory. And there are no rejects. And God knitted that person together. That mongoloid child is knitted together by God. And our whatever your deficiency is, whatever your disability is, whatever your limitations are, and that includes how you look. All this was to be you. And all of this was planned to be you 
and all the things we deal with in our life, I'm talking about the things you're dealing with right now. These are a part of that plan, that intricate wovenness of our lives, that we will look to God and God will make us beautiful in Him. You don't have to look like a magazine cover. And I'm not just saying go eat Cheetos on the couch either, but you don't, you know, you don't, you don't have to look like a football player. Be responsible, but embrace your uniqueness. It, it is a wonderful thing what God, how God knows you. This is all a part of His plans to bless you, grow you, so, so you can shine with His glory. This plan stretches from before we are born to our very last breath. Verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Isn't that great? Now, that, that refers to the quantity of days, all the days. were Like, like God knows exactly when you're going to stop breathing. That's not the context of Psalm 139. It's the quality of those days that God has planned. You see, God's planned a life for you. God cares about you. And you, especially you, in, in the way he has formed you, in the way that his hand is upon you, in the way that his right hand is guiding you, this has to do with the quality of our days, everything under his knowledge and his love. So, you long to be known and loved. Don't you? You do. This is the good news. God's known you from before you were you. Because God made you. This is the good news. God knows it all. He sees it all. And God still loves you. God sees your highs and your lows. God sees your, your joys and your sorrows. He succeeds, sees the success and your utter failures. He sees your praises and your sins. He sees how unholy we can be. And he never withholds his love from us. Because in the gospel, here's the reason why. In the gospel, we are given the ultimate. And it causes us to rest, to realize this and to rest and and to walk with God. God's sacrificial love through the cross brings acceptance to sinners because our sins are done away with by the work of another person, Jesus rather than our own religious attempts to make ourselves okay before the face of this holy and all-knowing God. He lays his hand upon you because he stretched out his hands on a cross and had nails driven into them. In Christ, we sinners are both fully known and always fully loved. Isn't that amazing? Because God has brokered this acceptance through the gift of Jesus. This, this is incredible. There is nothing that God will find out about you that will ever cause him not to love you. He knows. He knows. And there is nothing 
that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not life, not death, not angels, nor principality, that whole thing. There's nothing he, there's nothing he doesn't know. And there's nothing that he, that will ever separate us. So, let me just close by saying, don't you want to realize this amazing God this morning? See, you came into church like, man, I hope I see some people. And maybe you said, I hope I meet God today. He's here. (laughs) And Psalm 139 is about you and me. And it's for you. Do you want to realize this amazing God who knits you and knows you, who scans you and understands you, who is there and he cares? How about that for rhyming? Let me say it again. Do you want to know this God who knits you and knows you, who scans and understands, who is there and who he cares, and he has placed his hand upon you and he has planned all of your days under his love? Do you want to realize this through Jesus this morning? Do you want to realize this and be able to rest in that love? Do you want to realize this, be able to rest in that love, have total confidence about tomorrow, and be able to praise him for who he really is to us? Psalm 139, known and loved let's pray lord this is the most staggeringly beautiful scripture that you have given to us lord we have so many feelings about our lives some of them are based on truths we really have done people wrong we really are seeking our own life in your in front of your face of love and lord sometimes we don't feel loved and all kind of things are happening would you turn the eyes of our hearts now to you and the reality of this knowledge and this love if you, if you've never put your trust in what christ has done for you on the cross, and then raised from the dead to give you new life, and you want to have this relationship, just pray with me. Lord, I see it. And I want to turn from everything that I have called Christianity. I want to turn from myself. And I want to put my trust in you, Jesus, and what you've done. Come into my life. And thank you that even now you've forgiven me forever. Even now you accept me and you always will. Lord, help me to walk with you. And God, there are so many of us who've known you for years and and how we we just need to be reminded of this. Lord, would you help us to see when we feel misunderstood? Would you help us to see when we think some people don't care that you know us and love us ultimately and completely? Would you help us to see the cross yet again in our lives? Would you help us to rest in this grace in which we now stand and follow you as your right hand guides us? Lord, would you open our lives in a fresh way 
for the inpouring of your love today. And make us shine for your glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.